Today on episode 428 of I Am Salt Lake Podcast is our conversation with our friend eBay Hamilton. Hey, if you don't know who eBay is, you're in for a treat with this episode. eBay is the afternoon DJ and program director at local community radio station KRCL 90.9. On this episode, eBay shares his story on how he got involved with radio, his move to the East Coast, hip-hop, and we all even shared some memories of uh, the Zephyr Club that is now sadly torn down uh, downtown Salt Lake City. I saw some pictures of that. Uh, This is a great conversation with eBay. We're going to get into that here shortly. Uh, Before we get into the conversation, though, let's introduce ourselves. We're the host of the show. We're the hosts of the podcast. My name is Chris Hollifield. And my name's Chrissy Hollifield. What are we going on, Chrissy? Week four. Week four. Of the quarantine, of the coronavirus, the, what do we say, the Rona? The, the Rona. Don't catch the Rona. Yeah, man. It's It's been wild. It's been fun. You know, I've enjoyed just spending time with family. Everything kind of slowed down and just spending time with you guys. It actually has kind of been really nice in some ways, and I hesitate to say that because I know it, nothing is nice about what's going on, except, like you said, like I get to work from home now, and we get to see everybody all the time. It, it's really, really cool. We're doing our part with social distancing, guys, we so definitely are. you're doing your part. What do you miss the most? Like, all these things we got taken away, you know? Yeah. What do you, yeah. What do you miss the most? It's funny, because you said we're doing our part with social distancing. Yeah. That has been the hardest thing for me. Harder than, like anything just not being able to run up to someone and give them a hug like my friends or you know run up to my mom and give her a hug it's so fascinating it's very hard and for i me. know we've we've talked about this like yes, on facebook both length. of us have have made posts it's so interesting how different everybody is because yeah i'm fine with it i do miss just being able to go places and not freaking out at people touching me you know <laughs> but uh, which like that that thought hadn't even occurred to me until all this quarantine stuff you know <laughs> i was like wait what don't touch people that sounds terrible If this is your first time listening to this podcast, you may be asking yourself what it's all about. Well, this podcast is all about showcasing awesome people in Salt Lake City. We talk to business owners, comedians, authors, tattoo artists, restaurant owners, breweries, distilleries, food truck owners, really anyone that might have a cool story to share. Really quickly, I want to tell you about supportsaltlake.com. Write this down right now, supportsaltlake.com. Go check this out. This is a list of local businesses here in Salt Lake City that are supporters of this podcast. And these are the businesses that we want you to support. Go check it out. There should be links for all of them. We have some great supporters that I cannot recommend enough for you to go support, especially right now. All local businesses need a little bit extra support. I mean, we have Hugo Coffee Roasters. They're a great local coffee. Uh, Modified Piercing and uh, Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop, Woodlands Advisors. Go check this out, supportsaltlake.com. So this conversation with eBay, it wasn't in person like most of our podcast episodes uh, because we're trying to do our part, like I said, with social distancing and not having people over here at the studio. I already miss not being able to have our guests here at the studio. This this interview was a little different. I enjoyed it. It was a great conversation, but there definitely is a different feeling when we're able to have people here in the studio. Uh, anyway, with that being said, let's jump into this conversation that we had with eBay Hamilton, finding out his story. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Enjoy the conversation. Now, how is this working with KRCL? Are you guys broadcasting out of KRCL or are you all doing it out of your individual homes now? So our public affairs team still goes into the station 
every weekday to put together the radioactive show that airs at six o'clock. So there's current information. Um, They're doing a lot of interviews like you through Skype and Zoom and other sources uh, so that we can practice social distancing, but still get uh, up to the minute information about what's happening locally. And there are a few of us that have stopped in here and there, but as far as broadcasting live from our control room, everyone's putting together their shows from home. So everyone's doing music mixes from home on a variety of software and whatever gear people have kind of set up. It's been, uh, it's been a lot trying to get this whole thing going and keeping stuff on air. Luckily, um, you know, we've never had to do anything like this before. We've never done anything broadcasting outside of the station uh, unless of course we've done live broadcasts from places uh, and that's a whole different sort of setup but the way we're doing things right now is brand new for us and I think new just for everyone everyone's trying to find ways to adjust and make things work but I am able to sit down and put together a music mix and record breaks and do all of that from home and then get it into the system at the station and broadcast that live Uh, I am able to access the on-air machines so If something went wrong or I wanted to sneak a song in or, you know, last week when we heard that Bill Withers had passed away, uh, I wanted to make sure we paid tribute and no one was there to make that happen. So I was able to log in and just throw in songs throughout the day. We were playing some Bill Withers every single hour. We did the same thing when we heard that John Prine had passed away. Uh, So still allowing us to do things in the moment and make adjustments as we need to. Um, but doing it safely at home. And it's been a trip. (laughs) So you have access at your home there. You have access to like a big music library and all that. You're not just limited to your own personal CD collection. Yeah, CDs in the back. You just (laughs) put them in. Like I only got 10 CDs here, guys. That's all I can play. Well, it's fascinating. I mean, can you believe the radio industry has moved so much into the future that you have the technology to be able to do this from your home now? Yeah, it's crazy. It's and and there are lots of stations uh, with commercial radio. It happens every day. You have a you know someone in some town somewhere, and they record uh, for five different stations. You know, and they just spend their days voice tracking and sending things off. But when you're dealing with a station uh, that that focuses more on free form and and uh, where you know we still have DJs coming in and playing records. Uh, we have turntables in our control room. Uh, we're not. We weren't necessarily set up to make this transition, and I'm I'm happy that we were able to make it happen uh, in such a short amount of time. We heard that this was was something that everyone needed to start taking seriously, and we wanted to encourage our listeners to do that. And it didn't make a lot of sense for us to ask everyone to stay home and practice social distancing and then have all of us at the station at the same time. Plus, you know, of course, we want to keep our DJs safe. And one of the the challenging parts of this is, yeah, we have, uh, you know, one DJ in the studio at a time. They're not necessarily in there with anyone else. And it feels like you're being safe while you're in the studio by yourself. But throughout the week, there's 40 or more DJs all breathing on the same microphones and touching the same surfaces and just trying to make sure that, you know, you can disinfect and clean up and all of that in between each show, uh, it just did not seem like it was worth the risk. So I'm very happy we've been able to keep everyone safe and still keep a great, uh, you know, the programming as close to what listeners are accustomed to as possible. My question, eBay, is, is this something you think you're going to want to keep doing or once things kind of obviously settle down and somewhat life goes back to normal, right? As normal as that can be, 
are you going to want to go into the studio or are you going to be like, Hey, I kind of like doing it out of my home. Well, <laughs> there's nothing, nothing beats live radio. Yeah. Nothing beats being able to create on the fly. And uh, I think a lo- all of us are just itching to get back as soon as we can, but it really boils down to what's going to be safe for everyone. Uh, so I don't know, you know, I think we've had lots of conversations about what this looks like when things start to return to whatever normal is going to be. Uh, I think we'll get back to a place where we can, but we're certainly not going to rush into it if it puts anybody at risk. Uh, so I don't know, you know, I don't know. We really, we meet once a week on zoom and, uh, chat about what we're going to deal with that week and kind of take our cues from the health experts and what's being suggested, uh, locally to do and, uh, and, and just keep doing it this way. One of the challenges though, is we're, we're a 24 seven operation. The radio is on, all day, all night, it's constantly has to have programming happening. So there's a handful of us that are, have been just working nonstop since this started. Uh, you know, every day we're getting on and putting these mixes in and making sure that there's something on the radio. Uh, so that's been the real challenge is how sustainable is it to keep working every day of the week to keep things on air and we'll keep doing it. We've heard from so many listeners about how important it's been to have the normalcy of their favorite shows and, and hearing the DJ's voices and still feeling connected uh, in in that way. So we know that it's a, it's a community service. It's something that's really important to folks right now. So, and I know for me personally, waking up every day and knowing there's something important I'm going to work on today and it's going to make a difference in people's lives. It matters to them. It gives me something to focus on. So I'm not sitting here, you know, stewing in all of the craziness that's happening around us. You know, I have a, I have a focus and something that, that, that I have to get done each day. Uh, so, so that's been uh, actually a bit of a relief for me. It's like my mom always says, if you want to beat your depression, stay really busy. Yeah. Like that's always been what she tells me to do. Now, have you noticed one thing I'm, I'm noticing I'm reading a lot about is like, especially with podcasts, you know, people are consuming content differently. And I was just wondering, have you guys noticed any, since people aren't in cars as much, right? Most people listen to the radio in cars. Has this impacted you guys at all that way or not really so much because you're not normal commercial radio? You know, actually, I think for radio in general, I would imagine the same for podcasts. I think listening is up all around on however people typically listen. Uh, we've seen over the last handful of years, people moving more and more to smart speakers and streaming. And uh, and I've definitely seen an increase in, in listenership that way. Well, I meant like with the coronavirus, you know, like since people aren't driving to work right now. You know what I mean? Is there Are you getting yeah. any data of that or is it too? Or it's no. just switching from cars to Echoes or Google homes or something like that if you're used to we're all trying to hold on to some of the 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 habits that make us feel normal right some semblance of life yeah and if you're used to waking up with our morning dj uh john florence and his show brand new day and he has this feature called these three songs and uh, there's a lot of folks who that's like how they start their day and you still want to start your day that way so us making sure we can still provide those shows and those features has been an important part on our end um but i think for the most part people are still listening in very similar ways that they did before they're just not yeah they're not in the car they might be listening just on their speakers at home. Uh, you know, I'm hearing from a lot of people who are, are listening while they're working on gardens. It seems like a ton of people are starting to garden for the, you know, <laughs> even even me, I'm trying to uh, start a little plot of, you know, land in my backyard. Like a little security food garden. Yeah. And just another thing to do that feels good and gets you outside in the sunshine, but still somewhere yeah. safe, you know. 
I don't know. We'll we'll see when this over the coming months. I think there'll be more information out there about how people are listening and what they're doing. I just know that there. It seems like people are listening a lot more than they have been. And, and that's true. I've actually noticed that with I am Salt Lake that our listens have actually been a little up than other podcasts. Like I'm in some podcast groups and other podcasts are like, oh, my listeners are down. I'm like, well, they're actually up. And I'm wondering since both of us, you know, KRCL and I am Salt Lake, we're more community based. Mm-hmm. And people are wanting to stay connected to us in the community, right? Because they want to yeah. know what's what's going on in the community. Especially if we can't go outside and be in the community. We need we really need that connections still, yeah. you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, I live alone. It's me and my dog. And just knowing that there's listeners out there when I, when I'm putting together a show that is huge for me and my mental health, you know, uh, I might not be able to see these folks. We're not in the same room together, but it, it definitely has created a connection for me. Uh, that's really helping me get through it. And uh, I like to think it's doing the same for others for sure. Now, when can people, when can our listeners, uh, if they've never listened to KRCL, let's say they've never listened, listen to you, when can they catch you on the rate or on the radio? I'm on Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. And I've been doing that show for a few years now. I've been all over the place on weekdays and I've been with KRCL now, actually, since 93. Oh, wow. Uh, so I've, I've done a lot of programs over the years. But uh, these days, tune in 2 to 6. I say tune in whenever there's always something great on KRCL. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good time slot, man. That's like a, that's like the, the drive home, the afternoon, yeah, the drive, man, the, the last drive. few hours at work. Wow. You must, you probably got some fun listeners. Um, now how long, so you started in what? 1993 93. you said? Yes. Yeah. So if you don't know the history with me in the station, I started when I was 14 as uh, an intern, a summer internship, there was a program that paid kids to get some uh, experience, some some work experience. Uh, and it was just supposed to be a summer thing. I went in and applied and it was going to be a summer summer gig. And the station, they didn't really have a place for me. It wasn't a program that was set up through the station. Uh, in fact, when I came in and did my initial interview uh, with the program director at the time, I didn't know what to expect. I was just completely nervous and handshaking and and could not wait for it to be over. And a couple of days later, the program director, Donna, she called me and she said, during your interview, I couldn't understand half of what you said. You mumbled so much. You were just so shy. <laughs> and I think this would be a really good thing for you. So we don't know what we're going to do with you, but uh, let's start having you come in. And I came in for that summer, regular days, work days. And at first they didn't, you know, I'm, I, I would vacuum on occasion, wipe down tables, you know, they really didn't know what to do with me. Uh, then they taught me some basic uh, equipment maintenance. So I would help clean, like we had reel-to-reel tapes and uh, you would have to clean off the heads of the reel-to-reel tapes. Uh, so I started learning about equipment by cleaning equipment then I started transferring audio onto some of the, the stuff that would be actually played on air. We used to have these things called cart machines, and I would transfer audio onto cart machines so they could be played on air. So I learned a lot of stuff just from doing these little daily tasks. And one day, one of the, uh, one of the music directors that was there who oversaw all of the heavy metal and what was referred to as loud rock, he asked me if I happened to listen to hip hop music at all. And I said, yeah, you know, I love it. Uh, and he opened up this big metal cabinet and there were these two s- just giant stacks of, of vinyl. 
must have been, you know, two feet high. And they said, no one here listens to hip hop and we need someone to review all of this. Would you mind making your new responsibilities, just listening to records and making sure that they're clean, they're no cuss words, appropriate for airplay. And we had a vinyl library, so it was it would be my job to uh, listen to the records, make sure they were clean, and then put them into the, the log and put them in the physical library. And I ended up spending just hours and hours listening to records and still, you know, doing my little task in the, in, in the studios, helping to clean gear. Uh, and one day, one of the DJs was running a little behind and called and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to be about 15 minutes late. Any chance you can go grab eBay and uh, have them just play a couple of records on the radio until I get there. Uh, and I was really familiar with with the hip hop music, especially. And it was a, a hip hop show called Rap Attack, which was my favorite show on the radio at the time. So I grabbed a couple of records and started playing records, you know, just waiting for the DJ to show up. And he came in, he showed up, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes later. Normally when he would come in, he'd bring in his crate of records with him. He'd be ready to do the show, but he walked in without his crate. And he just said, I think you're doing fine. I'm just going to sit here with you. How about you just keep playing some records? Uh, And that led to me subbing every, I'd say once a month, sometimes every other week. And by the end of that summer, I had done four or five shows on my own uh, doing what was at the time. There was no hip hop on the radio in Utah at all. So the only place you could hear hip hop in Utah was on KRCL on this one show, Rap Attack with DJ Buzz every Friday night. And every kid I knew listened to that show. So by the time I got back to school, you know, I'd already spent the summer playing records on the radio and it really helped to uh you know me figure out who I was what what I wanted to pursue uh suddenly I had this dream that I was starting to chase and uh and I haven't left KRCL since uh, I've had one year where I lived outside of Utah but other than that I've been on KRCL since Where where did you live outside of Utah? Uh when I turned 21 I moved to Massachusetts for just about a year I was uh, I I made music for a little while there as well. I actually, I, I used to be very involved in hip hop and uh, put well, out how involved. First... Let's let's jump into this, man. I like some <laughs> I like some hip hop, some old hip hop, nineties hip hop. Yeah, that's nineties yeah. hip hop. That's Tribe Called Quest, De La yeah. Soul, Jungle Brothers, all of that. The Native Tongues Collective, all of that stuff. I was. That was my thing in the yeah. in the early '90s. I absolutely loved it, uh, and I started rapping when I was young, probably 12, 13 years old. And by the time I was about sixteen or so, I was taking it seriously and telling my parents I didn't want to do anything but rap, you know. And that was my that was my whole thing. And I ended up uh, I ended up connecting with some local young people, I don't want to call them kids because they were a little bit older than me, but we were all kids, uh, but some some folks in the local hip hop scene. Um, one in particular, a guy who's, uh, he, he went by the name Dumpy. Uh, he was one of the owners of uh, a really early hip hop shop in Utah called uh, called Function. Yeah, I remember and that place. Remember Function? Yeah. Yeah. Yell Rock and Brisk and yeah, yeah. Lee and all. Yeah, it's a great place to be. And I just spent a lot of time around that group and dumpy and i started working on music together and we 
ended up putting out just a local CD release. But when I was about 17 or so, I put out a, a little record that uh, hopefully no one can find. <laughs> well, I was going to um, ask you, I said, how can we hear it, man? Are you like uh, nothing? Can nothing... we play it as an outro? Yeah, man. Um, there, there's, there's stuff that happened a little later on that I was, uh, you know, that I'd be happy to share with you, but songs from when I was 17. I don't know. They, they, you know, that was a long time ago. Uh, I hear you, man. That's cool though. Do you miss it? Do you miss like making like rap or are you still doing that at all? No, I, you know, I I went from that, uh, Dumpy and I actually, he's the, I moved to Massachusetts with him. Part of it was here in Utah. There just wasn't a, there wasn't a huge scene for hip hop. And you know, just, I think no matter what music scene you were in locally, if you wanted to go and see a show, it was once every couple of weeks that someone you actually wanted to see came to town. And quite often you were probably involved in the show, whether you were passing out flyers or, you know, helping to chip in to, to get artists here. So if you were a part of a music scene locally, I think you did a lot more than just show up at shows. You probably were involved in making those shows happen and, and a bigger part of the scene uh, and back then, it was definitely that way for the, for the, for hip hop. And I think for us, we wanted to maybe see what it was like to be somewhere where the scene was already established. Yeah. And we had spent a lot of time going to different areas in California, uh, the B-Boy Summit in San Diego. I met a lot of really cool people in those early years. And my friend Dumpy, his real name's Dave, he was originally from an area on the East Coast, uh, north of Massachusetts. And he convinced me one night while we were hanging out that it might be a good place to go and visit and see if like that might be the place for us. And we went and uh, I had a great experience there, but it was too far from home. And I just, you know, after a year of working a job and, uh, you know, just not really doing much with music, I thought I could have done the same thing back at home. I'm I'm grateful for the experience and glad I did it. Uh, But I came home started volunteering at KRCL again, started back with music. While I was in Massachusetts, it was, I was around, uh, there was a, a, a really impressive music scene there and I turned 21 there. So I got to go to all these shows and clubs and saw some amazing music while I was there. And I worked at a tower records there. So I was surrounded by a bunch of music nerds. Uh, so I, my music taste changed a lot while I was there. Uh, my ideas about what I thought hip hop was changed while I was there. Um, that was around the time that, uh, the roots were really starting to become a big deal. And I was obsessed with the idea of live bands with hip hop. Uh, so when I came home, I was dead set on, I wanted to be in a band. That was my big thing. I started learning to play guitar. I wanted to rap, play guitar and be in a band. And uh, not too long after, I actually ended up in a band. I, I started working with this group. We called ourselves Realize, uh, and we kind of came came around during the Olympics. Not, uh, so this was a band here in Utah. This was, this back. was a band here in Utah when yeah, I got okay, back okay. You know, when I moved back from Massachusetts. And uh, my band Realize, sort of like this jazzy hip hop thing. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the Olympics were were happening, so there was a lot of parties and and options for places to gig at the time. We played a lot of really cool shows. In fact, one of our bigger shows, uh, we opened up for Black Eyed Peas at the Ice Village in downtown Salt Lake. That was a big deal. The first time I ever had a trailer and uh, like a curtain call where they tell you you're on in 10 seconds, you know, that was a pretty cool experience. And we played around locally for... I don't know. It was must have been a year or so. 
the bass player ended up moving out of state. The guitar player wanted to go back to school and he moved out of state. We didn't break up. There was nothing bad that happened. It just like a lot of bands, people go different directions, you know, we grew up, we grew up. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was still obsessed with it. So started another band <laughs> and I, I had a group for a little while there called uh, the modern soul movement eBay Jamil's Modern Soul Movement. And that one had some pretty cool stuff too. And a, a great group of musicians involved in that. We were around for probably another year or so. Then I did a, a some solo stuff, a solo record. Um, the most recent thing that I did and the last thing that I did, I there was there's a local guy who I always loved, Fish. He, he had these projects called Fish Loops. Yeah. Uh, lots of great instrumentals. Uh, went by, had another name, Daniel Tiger, did some stuff there. Fish and I had talked about doing something together and we made a record together under the name Julio Child, which you can find on Bandcamp. That still exists. And that's a that's a record I think is a lot of fun. And I don't mind people checking that one out. That's 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 a good record. All right. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by our friends at Momentum Electric, which you can find online at MomentumElectricSLC.com. Momentum Electric is your local Salt Lake City electrical company with over 10 years of experience from Kevin and his team. At Momentum, you can always trust their employees and the work that they do. All right, here's some of the services that they offer. Maybe maybe you got some extra time at home now. Maybe you're quarantined at home and you need some, some services done. Uh, maybe you need to add some wall outlets. Well, Momentum Electric can do that. Maybe you want to change out or add some can lighting. Maybe you got some uh, project going on in the basement. Well, they can add the can lighting. Maybe you want to change out devices. They could do that. Maybe you want to change out your electrical panel and service equipment at your home. Well, Momentum Electric can do that. Maybe you splurged a little. Maybe you got yourself a brand new electric vehicle and now you need to install an EV charger. Well, they can do that. Hey, if it has to do with electrical, chances are our friends at Momentum Electric can help you out. Momentum believes in following the National Electric Code and doing the finest work to make your home more beautiful and more efficient. Momentum Electric has fair pricing and they'll never try and sell you on something that you don't need or doesn't work for your situation. They will always listen to your needs and help to solve your issues in the best way possible. Momentum will always treat you with the utmost respect because they want to create a lifelong relationship with you. Their website, MomentumElectricSLC.com, is where you can go and get a quote. But better yet, I'm just going to give you my buddy Kevin's phone number. Give him a call directly, 801-580-2430. That way he can give you an estimate for your job. Again, Kevin's number, this is his direct number, 801-580-2430. And many thanks to Momentum Electrical for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with Dusk Raps, right? Dusk? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dusk, yeah, yeah. Because yep. Fish Loops did uh, some stuff on one of his, some of his music, I think. Yeah, yeah. I got introduced to Fish Loops. Yeah, Fish is produced for a lot of folks locally, and uh, I worked a lot. You know, I did just the one record with with Fish, 
Uh, I worked a lot with with DJ Brisk, Brisk Warner. Yeah, yeah. Over the years, tons of music with him. In fact, I think some of the first stuff he ever produced was on my record when I was seventeen, which okay. hopefully no one ever will hear, but <laughs> it's probably out there somewhere. I, and I absolutely loved it. It was one of those. I'm glad that I had the experience and that I followed it. Uh, that I followed that dream, and I made some things that I was I was proud of, and I had a chance to see. Uh, that side of, you know, I, I shopped demos to record labels and I, you know, I did all that stuff. I pursued licensing music and, you know, I've, I've kind of dabbled in a lot of that. Uh, so being on the side where you play the records on the radio, I, I knew well, but then I also knew the side of trying to get your music played on the radio uh, and, and seeing those, how, how those two sides work and why, why some people just don't ever make it, you know, and uh, unfortunately, a big part of it is definitely chance. It's just, you know, being heard at the right time and then being prepared to follow through uh, when you have an opportunity, like having yourself in a position where you're ready to make something of it uh, if those doors happen to open for you. So uh, I ended up just kind of getting burned out on it. Uh, and I, making music for me was a lot of staying up at two, three in the morning. I had a little home studio set up. Um, back then I was, a, I smoked cigarettes and I was a chain smoker. So I would just sit up smoking all night, writing songs and, uh, you know, sleeping half the day and then going to work at night and doing my radio shows. And as I was trying to make some lifestyle changes and get out of my little basement bedroom and see more, you know, of the sunlight, my creativity just started to shift. It didn't go away. I just started working on other things. Uh, and with KRCL being such a big part of my life, I don't know. I decided I just wanted to take the energy I was putting into all of that and focus it into this, you know? Uh, so there, there were, it came a time when I turned about 30 or so. I, I, I was doing not just the, you know, I had my bands, I had some music that was out there. I had all of the radio stuff I was doing and I was trying to go back to school and I was trying to just juggle a lot of stuff. Uh, and I thought, what if I took all the energy that I'm, I'm directing in all of these different directions and I put it into one thing, like, what could I accomplish if I did that? And, uh, so I made the decision, like, I'm just going to stop doing everything else and focus on this one thing. And it doesn't mean I gave up all my hobbies or whatever, you know, I still do other things, but my passion is KRCL and radio. Have you noticed like by getting, stopping doing all those other things and just focusing on being a DJ, I guess on the radio and doing what you do at KRCL. Have you noticed a difference by doing that getting rid of all those other things? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just the time alone, you know, like you only have so many hours in a day. So if you're trying to do all of these other things, it, it takes away from time you could be spending on the one project maybe you should be kind of focused on. I think it's still important. I, I've always been someone who's pursued different artistic things and musical, you know, I've, I've fiddled around with different instruments, never been good at any of them. Um, I've always been someone who dabbled a bit in like visual arts. I enjoy like painting and drawing, never been great at it, but I enjoy these things. So I find that as long as I still explore those other sides of myself and give myself the opportunity to, to, you know, just play around with some of those other fun things, that that is I get I'm satisfied enough that I can stay focused on the thing that I want to accomplish 
and still have these little side things that I'm doing to, if, if I'm feeling like I need to be a little more creative, you know, at any given time. Yeah. Cause I mean, I ask that because I tend to spread myself too thin, right? Like I yeah. tend to bring on a lot of projects or I'll get a new idea for something. And then it's like, Oh, should I focus my energy over here <laughs> yeah. now instead of just focusing all my energy on one thing well, like what, you, you were talking about? Yeah. When you're a creative that I think that's the biggest struggle that creators like us have because we're like, Oh, this is a great idea. And then it'll snowball into another idea and snow, you know, and then we want to do everything, but we can't, yeah. that. that's the biggest struggle. And I think that's why a lot of us don't succeed in one thing. Yeah, no, that's, I felt that way from my, you know, I started making music at 16, recording like in studios, really saving up my allowance money, you know, and (laughs) paying to go to studios. And that went on until I was 30. And you find yourself wondering, like, what is it? Like, what am I missing here? And I think a big part of it was every time I uh, would find a sound or something I was going to try to uh, pursue I, something else would grab my attention and I'd go, oh, I'm going to go do this other thing instead. And I was just constantly abandoning projects. And I still don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think if you have a lot of these ideas and, you know, why not find the time, sit down, write a little, you know, draw a little, get out there and, and explore these things that are popping up in your head. But if there's something that you actually feel like, okay, I want to accomplish this, you got to set some goals for yourself. You got to make, you know, you, you got to have a plan. It can't just be driven by inspiration alone. It has, sometimes there has to be some discipline and you have to get up and do something that you don't feel like doing that day. If you want to see these things through, you know, uh, that's, and there's endless, I, most, most people I know, and it sounds like Christy and Chris, uh, you both are like this. You have all of these things that you want to accomplish and, and try but how do you how do you juggle all this stuff? It's not to say that they're not good ideas or that if you weren't able to focus on any one of those things that they won't turn out to be successful. It's how do you choose which one gets the most of your of your time? And that's the hardest thing to decide. Yeah. Because then you wonder, did I make the best decision? Absolutely. Here? Yeah. We all yeah. have million dollar like every person we know, like <laughs> you have had a million dollar idea at least once, oh, right? Yeah. Sure. And I mean it's not about money, but it's all about like, do you actually follow through? Yeah. As everyone I know, you know, is going to write a book at some point in their life, you know, like we're all, we're all going to do everything. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop. Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop's mission is to make Utah cool one dreadlock at a time while offering a clean, affordable and professional experience filled with love and understanding, which I can personally vouch for. Earlier this year, I went to Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop to get my dreadlocks. They offer this awesome thing called clean dreadlock knotting service. They actually crochet all of your individual dreadlocks instead of using like the greasy wax or internet neglect dread methods. And while we're practicing social distancing, they're offering support to all of their clients and potential clients. They personally reach out to us all the time. So they are a great resource to go to. If you're considering dreads, if you know you want them eventually, connect with them right now. So text them today to get in touch and get a free consultation or recommendations. Text them a picture of your hair to 801-824-8298. Include what you're looking for, include your name, and wait for a response. They'll get back to you as soon as they can. You can also visit them online at slcdreads.com or go ahead and follow them on social media. And thank you to Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. I'm a big fan of comics. And one of my favorite writers, Neil Gaiman, uh, who wrote the mm-hmm. Sandman series, 
Uh, in, yes. in the Sandman series, he's got uh, in in the Dream World. There's a library there that is full of all of the the books that people never wrote. You know, just the books that we dreamt and imagined that we would write at some point. And I thought it was just a beautiful, yeah, it's, it's worth reading. It's a, it's a beautiful sentiment. It's just this idea that there's, there is this library somewhere where all of these ideas that you've, you know, for those books you were going to write, they actually exist somewhere. It just happens to be in a Sandman comic. (laughs) That kind of, that kind of makes you feel better though. Like, okay, finally someone got it. Someone, you can, you can focus better because the idea is still there. Still yeah. exists. Yeah. Still, still, still out there. Man, um, Neil Gaiman's a genius. Oh, he's great. I love him. Yeah. Him. With the pandemic, uh, when it winds down and stores start to open again, I was just kind of curious. Hey, what's what? What bars or restaurants or stores in Salt Lake City do you miss, man? Like, what's oh. been hard for you, man? Like, or maybe nothing, right? Maybe, maybe your, maybe your life is normal for you. <laughs> like, well. You know, no, I mean, there, there's definitely, you know, like I said, I, it's just me and my dog and I'm yeah. used to doing a lot of things on my own, but there's a, you know, there are so many restaurants and live music venues. Uh, there were so many, when I get tickets to shows, I like to hang them on my fridge. One to remind me that I have shows coming up, but two, it's just like a little bit of hope. You walk by and you're like, I can't wait to see that show. Uh, and all these shows that got postponed, I still have the tickets hanging on my fridge. Just I don't I can't quite take them off yet, you know, and uh, I'm hoping that those shows all get postponed and they do end up coming back at some time and not officially canceled. Um, but there's a lot of venues that like, yeah, I can't I can't wait to go and see some live music. I've been doing a, a plant based thing for a few months now. And there's we've we've got a ton of great vegan restaurants and vegetarian spots around town that uh, that I certainly miss. Um, I've been making all my meals and everything, just doing it all at home. So I, yeah, I cannot wait. And the list would be endless if I started. (laughs) This makes me feel like we all need to start collecting things like the tickets that you have and make like time capsules, like the the (laughs) pandemic time capsule or shadow box, you know? No, man, it's just crazy. Who would have thought we would have had something like this in our lifetime, right? This is going to be in history books and we are, yeah, we're living through it right now. And it's, I think it's 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 a lot to wrap your mind around, but I also, you know, it, it makes me feel, I wonder when these, when we had class and we learned about the Spanish flu or, you know, whatever else, whatever other pandemics, I guess someone might compare something like this to, um, you start thinking about those folks in quarantine uh, and you had no idea what that was like. We at least have the, you know, we're on the internet right now. We've got our cell phones. We've got access to every movie that's ever been made. And, you know, we have access to so much, uh, but a hundred years ago, yeah, a hundred years ago, they sat in their house and wrote letters to friends, you know, and uh, like, what did you do? What would you do? So just kind of thinking about, yeah, we definitely, we have so much and there's a lot to be grateful for. If you got to go through a pandemic, you know, Hey, we've got, uh, we've got a lot to keep us occupied, you know, and and it really hasn't been, that difficult for me either. Uh, I mean, it, it does kind of suck that all these things are getting canceled, you know, the Utah arts fest and yeah. uh, pride got moved and even the downtown farmer's market, how that's going to get affected. That sucks to think of like summers, like, ah, uh, but we, like you said, there's still so much. I mean, the live music that bands are even playing on Facebook yeah. and all of that has been really awesome to get exposed to local music that way. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, I mean, 
I know so many musicians who like they make a living off of playing live music and what do they do now? You know? So if you have a favorite local musician or national, international, everyone's stuck at home and definitely support them, you know, look them up. And most musicians I know are doing some sort of online, you know, showcase here and there and can certainly use your support. It's a great time to buy merchandise. It's a great time to download their albums. It's a great time to tip them if you can. Uh, same thing with, you know, I know a lot of venue owners that are that everyone's just hurting right now. I think that's the one part of this is there'll be days where I'm out in the yard or something or I just got done putting together a music mix. And I think, you know, how grateful I am to be able to still still be working, still do something that I love. Uh, but then I just started thinking about the friends of mine who have lost their jobs and, they're you know, or just there's no telling when the next time they're going to be able to play live music again or or when are they going to be able to you know cook for for friends at a restaurant again like that part of it is uh tough to even think about you know it's i, I get overwhelmed with uh grief for uh what they're all going through and 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 the uncertainty of when is this over and when do we get to start going back when when is it safe for us to all start going back and supporting each other in the ways that we're used to so for the time being if you're in a position where you can help them you should do what you can and a great time to support uh su- support mu- musicians and and restaurants that are doing curbside you know or delivery what have you do what you can now, you did mention uh, how you're vegan or doing the plant-based thing now. You know, I always ask people that come through here of favorite local eating spots. What, and I know you didn't want to go down a list, <laughs> but what are one or two things, one or two of your favorite places that you like to go um, eat at? Well, and I, and I should clarify, I, I'm not vegan. I am started doing... Uh, I haven't had red meat or pork for almost a year now, and uh, I've, I've been kind of making the shift to less meat in my diet and focusing more on, on plant-based. I don't know. I don't have a plan for this for, you know, I don't know what, what I'm doing here. I'm just taking it week by week at this point. But I've always known, I've had vegan friends growing up, and I had the chance to like, in the early years, before there were vegan restaurants, you know, and people had to find ways to every, every, every person I knew back in high school that turned vegan immediately was just like French fries, French fries and, and junk food. Like that was like the first (laughs) diet that they, yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) (laughs) when you said grass, I was thinking actually like wheatgrass. I know a lot of people who got all kinds of wheatgrass is good, man. That's good. That's that's really good. You know, I had a chance to try a lot of that stuff early on. So like this transition, I already love a lot of vegan meals and I've already gone to quite a few vegan restaurants. So it wasn't like one day I just switched over to plant-based and, and all this was new to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I often think because they're exploring, uh, you know, they're not using animal fats to cook with and there's not butter. And uh, so this, the ingredients and the flavors are, are they, they have to experiment a lot more than, uh, than, than we do uh, when you're, when you're meat eaters or dairy. Uh, so I think they, they, they tend to be like just really, uh, they come up with some really interesting uh, uh, food ideas that I think even if you're not vegan, it's worthwhile to go and explore those places, those restaurants. There's just some amazing food out there. One of the first places that I ever ate at was Sage's. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. Sage's. I remember Sage's. They're not around anymore, though. Uh, well, Vertical Diner, which is or the ver- same. Yeah, Vertical. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Ian, the, the chef who started it, Vertical Diner. And that's here. I live on the west side. That's not too far from me. And uh, yeah, that's another place. Been for many, many years. You know, I've ate quite a bit at that spot over by Urban Lounge called Bud's. 
uh, mm-hmm. the, the vegan sandwich shop. Um, but the list goes on and there's so many restaurants that have vegan and vegetarian options. And I know you said that this is going to be available to listen to in a week or so. Uh, so I'll probably still be plant-based then, but if someone's listening to this, like in a year from now, who knows <laughs> what I'll be up to. Um, no, I, dude, I, I mean, I used to be vegan years ago, 20 years ago. I was, I was pure vegan, man. That was like, that was a big part of my life, man. So that's, I, I know exactly. And I thought I was going to be vegan forever and I'm not vegan now. So only when you know. the good restaurants weren't around. Uh, well, that's you know, you I mean, it. I have a lot of respect for people that do oh, the yeah. vegan diet though, just because it is such a, you know, if, and if that works for your body, I mean, I think it could be a great way to eat you know you know you you spend yeah when it first started now that i have some meals that i make on a regular basis it's gotten a lot easier but when i first started just you spend half the day trying to figure out like what am i going to eat next you know that's just the what am i going to eat next and where am i going to get it from you know (laughs) there was a lot of that that was a tough part of it the first month i'd say but for me this really came from just uh talking to doctors and and people who we're trying to help me get a little healthier and saying that this might be like the best thing that, you know, I could do for myself. So give it a try and see how you feel. And turns out I feel great. Feel great. That's <laughs> yeah. great. So keep, keep doing it, man. If it yeah. works for you. So I, I didn't catch one or two places. Did you, do you have, Oh, bud, bud. Bud. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. My bad. My bad. Yeah, you know, there, you. there's a great in Rose park. Uh, there's this, uh, uh, Vietnamese vegan place called all Che, uh, that, that, uh, I go to and it, same thing I, before I was doing a plant-based thing, I still went to all these places. I mean, you know, and I don't want to leave out any spots. Yeah, like, no, I, I really, you. I really could go through a never ending list of, We've been lucky here in Utah to have so many great restaurants showing up. And I'm very optimistic that they're going to be there when this is over. And we'll all be able to get back and and, and eat some good food again. This is a question I ask, uh, I've been asking pretty much on every episode is, you know, we have family and friends that visit Salt Lake City, Mm -hmm. right? Like, let's pretend that it was a couple months ago or just normal life here in Salt Lake. What what are some places that you recommend or tell people to visit, check out, buildings, hikes? Yeah, uh, and, and tour. as a listener of your podcasts, I know this is a this is a question that comes up, and I've actually been thinking about this since uh, you asked me to be on the podcast. I thought, what would I? What is the yeah. place? Like, where would I tell someone to go? And it's tough because obviously, right now, I mean, there's a lot of places that I think people should check out, but you just can't right now. So when this is over, if you were if you were coming to visit Salt Lake. And there was, you only had an afternoon or something. And it was like, here's the place that you should go to get a nice experience of what this place is. And hard to say just one, but I have settled on Ensign Peak. Okay. And let me tell you why. So I think one of the, one of the the greatest things about being in Utah is our access to hikes and the outdoors. So right away I thought, well, you got to do something that's outdoorsy, right? Ensign Peak there's the connection to the pioneers, you know, Brigham Young uh, had seen it in a vision and it's sort of like Utah's holy mountain. So there's that part of it. Um, Ensign Peak is also the place where they mapped out the actual city. You know, when you're up on Ensign Peak looking down, um, you're in line with like uh, the temple and which is the center of the city. So you see how the entire city was laid out. You can look to your left, you can see uh, Immigration Canyon. You look to your right, you see the Great Salt Lake. 
we are in this basin that was once the the Bonneville Lake, right? And at uh, when you're at Ensign Peak, you're just about a thousand feet up, which is uh, what they say was about how deep Bonneville was. So you're sort of you're looking at the shoreline of what the ancient lake once looked like. So I think you get a sense of like everything about this place, the 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 Mormon history. Um, the way the city was set up, our namesake with the Great Salt Lake to your right. It's a beautiful place to watch a sunset, you know, and, and the actual monument up there. Since I was really young, when you would hike up there, short hike, easy to do, you know, if you've never done it, a little steeper than I think people anticipate, but still a short hike and you can do it. Uh, but you get up there and on that uh, on that mo- the monument that's there, that 18 foot monument there, and you look up and you see the, those inscriptions written on the stones and there's the one that says Kolob, you know, and it starts to spark a little bit of curiosity in you about some of the the uh, the, the LDS history and mythology that's kind of attached to it. I think there's just so much cool stuff that uh, can be sparked from spending a, an afternoon on Ensign Peak. I think that'd be like the first place I'd send you. Second place would be Antelope Island. I think okay. everyone should go out to visit Antelope Island and you can just get a sense of what this place was like before there was a city here. Uh, just a, a, It's a beautiful natural setting there. You get to see bison roaming along the beach, you know. Uh, by far the best place to see a sunset is Antelope Island. The perfect reflection on the Great Salt Lake, you know, that you get. It's, I love it. I love it out there. Yeah, you, you had one of the best responses a guy could ask for, man. Like, I know. You it's know, like, a, it's like, it's like oh, whole... okay, very descriptive. I love it. I feel like I went on a tour. Now, <laughs> you know, another, another question is, would you change anything about Salt Lake City? Again, it's kind of hard to answer that right now because obviously there's a lot of those type of things, immediate things to change. But let's, again, let's pretend the pandemic's not going on mm-hmm. and it's just a normal city. Is there anything you would change if you could? Growing up here, um, what I always felt was was really a struggle for for folks who grew up in Salt Lake specific uh, was just a lack of hometown pride. Uh, and I often think a, a big part of why different music scenes could never connect with each other was everyone was just trying to like get what they could without interacting with each other. And you get outside of Utah and, and, and I would hear people when they were asked like, where are you from? And you kind of just from Utah, you know, and all the jokes come along with that. I think there was always just this lack of pride for being from here. And as Utah has really started to hit this boom over these last five years, six years or so, I think younger people, they have a sense of it. Like they recognize that we're in a really cool place and, and, and there's a lot of really cool things happening around Utah, but the older folks, uh, my age, and a little bit older, you know, maybe there's still a little bit of that there. And I think it's just one of like, you gotta be proud of the place that you came from, even if you're not happy with a lot of the history or uh, the, 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 the current state of things, you know, it's a, it's, it's a big part of, why you are who you are, you know, and it took me a long time to get to a place. I know when I, when I moved to Massachusetts, the most constant joke that I heard, um, of course, everyone wants to ask you if you're Mormon. And then the second was, I didn't know there were black people in Utah, or it must just be you and Carl Malone, you know, like I got that kind of those comments (laughs) all the time. And, uh, you know, to speak to the, the sort of lack of diversity in a place like Utah and all of that, which is all very, very true. 
but doesn't take away from the fact that this is a beautiful place, you know. And uh, when, when I would show people postcards of just the Salt Lake Valley with the mountains behind us and, you know, people would always ask, like, why did you leave there? Why, why are you mm-hmm. here? Why did you leave there? And like, I don't know why, you know. I left because I was a kid who wanted to leave home because that's what we do when we're young. We get this yeah. itching to explore and get out. Um, but I'm glad you came back because we want to bring, we need to like change our image, you know, we need to change yeah. the Utah image and that's and bring cool people back. We, there are so many just amazing people here. And the, so I guess if you were to say, is there something that I would change? I, I don't know how you change that, but I think that it, it would just be to focus on the things that we love about this place. And the fact that because Utah is still growing, we still have a say in directing, you know, like having it go certain directions. Like you can still do that. Uh, when I was younger and, and scenes weren't as established as they are now, you had a big say in what happened by just showing up and being supportive and spreading the word about cool things that were happening. Like you still had a, had a role in all of that. And I think you still do. So if, if there was anything, it'd be that. I'd just say, just, we got to be a little more, you know, proud of this place. It's a beautiful, yeah, it. it's a beautiful place and let's take care of it. You know? Um, I love it. Yeah. I love it. No, I mean, there is something to be said about people. I mean, look at, look at people with their sports teams, right? When they have their pride or their favorite sports team, you feel that passion and that energy, man. And it's like, yeah. imagine if we had that same energy, uh, you know, hometown pride of, of Salt Lake city. I mean, I, you know, we get a little bit like with Real and, and stuff, but I think that helps with hometown pride too, is, is with sports teams. I think you see it a lot too with, you know, think of how many buildings have been torn down in like historic downtown Salt Lake to make room mm-hmm. for like a new condo or whatever. Uh, and it's almost like we just have, we're so detached from that history uh, that so much of that stuff has been allowed to go on all these years. And now we're just kind of getting to a point where we're like, wait a minute, I think you guys tore down too much. Right. Yeah. You know, and people are really starting to say like, slow down. Like there's like, we're losing so much of this history. And I think that's a big part of it is that at least in my circles, we didn't, you know, we thought, oh yeah, these are great buildings. And you, you look at them, you see them, but you didn't necessarily feel connected to that history. And the older I get, the more I do, the more I'm, you know, uh, when I see the, the four sided clock that's down on uh, uh, main street and right off of first South over by the old ZCMI, like, and thinking about how that clock's been here since the 1800s, you know, uh, and there's and like, never touch that thing please like leave that thing alone there's certain landmarks and buildings and just uh, just things about utah that i couldn't imagine those things going away and i think we just have to we have to maintain uh that pride about this place and that connection to the history for good or for better or worse like you know the part of what makes this place i don't want to say charming but uh i look at a town like ogden right you go down historic 25th street you talk to someone from ogden like they are proud of Ogden, right? Like there's just this, there's an energy there that you don't always get from Salt Lake people. So I'd love to see, I'd love to see more of that, like fight to keep these places, these historic places uh, there, you know, let's, let's stop tearing down so many buildings. (laughs) Um, You know, I don't know. Did you see, was it, wasn't it just this last week? I haven't been past it since they tore down the Zephyr, but did you see the Zephyr club, how they finally tore that down? I mean, well, here's the thing. They finally tore it down, took it out of its misery, but it's like, why couldn't they have just left it and restored it 
Yeah. You know, that no, the Zephyr is that that's your exactly. And I think the fact that that just, I haven't been down there to see it uh, since it's been torn down, but I remember when it closed, you know, and, and me, I've, I've been here long and I was old enough that I had a chance to see a lot of great shows there. And uh, actually my bands had a chance to play there. Both of my bands have played at the Zephyr club. I probably played there four or five times. And that was like a big deal, you know, to finally be able to play like the Zephyr stage. Uh, and yeah, just the amount of musical memories that exists because of that building. And I think we've all been kind of holding on to some hope that like it might open again for like, let's just throw a party in there for one night or something, you know? Uh, but to see the pictures of it, torn down and to think like how is that gone how did it's heartbreaking like, yeah man. it's hor- and mm-hmm. uh what w- the original thing i always heard was it was going to be torn down for a parking lot like it just makes no sense to me <laughs> that's the thing is i knew people firsthand that wanted to basically turn it back into something like the zephyr but yeah I was under the understanding they never wanted to sell it or something. Yeah. I don't know all the details with it, but that's, yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a lot of people who've been trying to come up with some interesting ideas on, on how could we have just a show there, you know? Yeah. And there've been a lot mm-hmm. of great venues that have popped up since the time of the Zephyr that have been doing, you know, similar acts are still coming through town. And, but I have these fond memories of some amazing shows at the, at the Zephyr club. And when you saw it torn down, so many of them came rushing back to me. Um, I, one of the, you know, I, I got a chance to hang out in the green room when my band played there. And one of the cool things in that backspace is uh, uh, artists that have, have played there over the years would write their name on the wall in Sharpie in there. And I just, when I saw, I hadn't thought about that in years, you know, but when I saw the image of it torn down, suddenly I flashed back to all of these names written on this wall in that little room. And the amount of, I saw so many local bands there where there'd only be like 10 or 20 people, but I met people that ended up being lifelong friends, you know, at the Zephyr club, uh, just some amazing, amazing experiences there. Uh, and it's gone. Yeah. Definitely is a big, uh, big piece of Utah history. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, we're gonna have to kind of wind down here, eBay. I mean, it's we're gosh, we've almost gone an hour. Or we've gone over. You're an just hour so here. good at telling stories, uh, and so I don't want to hold. I'm too good much at of rambling. Up, <laughs> but uh, dude, it, I am so grateful to finally have brought you on. Yeah, the podcast. I am so yeah, like I, I wish we could have done it in person. You know, it's always I love I love you know seeing seeing the person here across the table. But uh, I'm glad this worked out for us. Yeah, when this is all over, we'll have to take you out for a drink. Yeah, man, that would be awesome. I would love that, and I do appreciate uh, being invited on the show. You know, I, I've I've been listening. I'm a fan, so it, this is this has been a lot of fun. And yeah, this is a trip to do it this way, not being in the same space. And thankfully, technology yeah. allows for us to to do it this way. There is one question that I think you've you should ask, and it, it's <laughs> it's about the name. The uh, your name, yeah. Do you want to ask? I actually was gonna ask a long time ago when you told us that your friend's name, but I didn't want to cut you off. So speaking of names, yeah, I know people always hesitate to ask me about the name, and <laughs> I wanted to. I kind of kind of forgot. Well, so it's it's not a nickname. It's not, it's my birth given name, but it is spelled the same as ebay.com, right? Uh, and uh, it's from there's the, the, the short story is back in 1976, there was an episode of Good Times, that old sitcom Good Times, where there was a cameo character. It was a, an exchange student named eBay. And the spelling uh, traditionally is a Nigerian name, spelling is I B E. And my mother loved the name and uh, named me eBay. And 
eBay.com was not around. My, you know, the first time I heard of the eBay.com, I was in my twenties, I think, maybe I was like 18 or 19, but it wasn't a big thing. It was somebody asked me, I was actually working the first time I, anybody asked me about it. I was working at tower records on the floor. I had my name tag on, it said eBay on it. And someone said, why does it say eBay on your name tag? Because <laughs> it's my name, right? And they say, well, have you heard of eBay.com? And I'm like, yeah, I've heard a little bit about it, but I don't know much about it. And then within a year, it just was all, yeah, it was all over the place. And I was already, I had, I had record, I had two CDs, you know, one, I had one CD out and I was working on my second. So I was, and I had been on the radio for a while. I was eBay, you know, I'm not going to change my name. And yeah, you had it first. I had it first. Yeah. Uh, and over the years, I've thought about changing it many, many, many times. And I often think that uh, people just assume it's a nickname. And I wonder, like, wh- why would I nickname myself eBay? Like, what would I? What would be the reason that that you would end up with a nickname eBay? I, I got no idea. That's why I wanted to find out, man. Yeah, Can you imagine I, getting like a cease and desist letter from eBay and be like, you need to change your name and you're like, I've been saying for, they, if they ever want to buy it from me, then go for it. But uh, yeah, no. Could you imagine if you would have bought eBay.com before they did? They would have oh, paid man. you a pretty penny. Man. You know, I should have. I, I definitely should have. And it, it was just a, a chance thing. Even for eBay, originally and I could get, have this story wrong, but I think they were originally just going to be called Echo Bay. And when the guy who started it went to fill out his, uh, you know, get the license for the name, Echo Bay was already taken. And so just in a split decision, he changed it to eBay just because he didn't want to have to come up with a different name. So had he stuck with his original plan, you know, none of this would have happened. <laughs> See, and who knows, maybe he, he could have said he was watching Good Times, you know. Maybe. No, maybe. That's uh, about a year ago. I found out that uh, I was I was looking up something to do with, you know, my name because I'm I'm constantly trying to see if there's other people out there with the same name. And uh, I ran across a blog where somebody had found out that there were 12 boys born in 76, 77 who all had the name EBAY and no more after that. And none before that in the U.S., but there there are twelve of us out there that were all. I'm 42 now, so I made it a mission this year to try to find them. And it's tricky because you get online and you type in eBay anything, and it's a, just assume they sell like that's their name, you know, eBay Jamie or eBay, you know, Frank, whatever. Uh, so you don't know if you're looking at someone's real name or not. And I did I did find one of them. I found one, a guy in uh, in in L.A. who's same age. Name is eBay. Name's eBay. Yep. So wow. ten, <laughs> 10 more to go. <laughs> Dude, that is that is so cool. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap this episode up today, eBay? Besides, no, just uh, we got the name in Utah and the KRCL. How can people how can people listen to KRCL? How can people get a hold of you if they yeah. want it or if you want to give that information out? What's the best way to do all that? Well, listening to KRCL on, on your radio at 90.9 FM, you can stream us on the website, krcl.org. We're also available on all your smart speakers. Just say play KRCL. Uh, and then as far as getting in touch with me, when all of this is over, I pretty much live at the station. So you can reach out to the station and and I'm probably going to be there. <laughs> uh, but you can find me on social media. I'm, you know, I'm around. Very cool. And I'll put, I'll put those links at IamSaltLake.com with this episode, eBay. 
Chrissy has a final question. It has been an honor to have you on the on the podcast. Sorry that you couldn't yes, see Chrissy you. with this, the way we have this all set up. Uh, Chris is prettier. I so wasn't able to get the camera out. directly on her. So uh, <laughs> this has been fun, though. Yeah, thank Chrissy, you. Yeah, what's... Yeah, thank you. And before we let you go, would you give us a piece of life advice or a motto that you live by for our listeners? A piece of life advice? You know, I don't know that I have one piece of life advice that I could share. Right now, while we're going through this... I'd say find some ways to stay hopeful, focus on, on, on what things you have in your life that you can be grateful for. I think there's a lot going on right now that's uh, overwhelming and it's real easy to get into a place where it all feels apocalyptic, you know, mm-hmm. um, but getting outside and getting some sun on your face and, you know, keeping in mind it's spring and, Thinking, thinking about all of the privileges that we each have in our own lives and being thankful that we have those things and, and, and holding on to some hope. We'll get through all of this. Uh, who knows what the normal is going to be like someday, but we're going to get through all of this. I'm very optimistic of that. So my, my advice would be to find, find ways to stay hopeful and to stay grateful. Thanks again to eBay Hamilton for joining us on this episode. All the links that we mentioned in this conversation can be found with this episode show notes on our podcast website, which is at IamSaltLake.com slash 428. And as always, that's for episode 428. It is time for weekly recommendations. This is the quarantine edition. I thought it's only fitting to make recommendations of things that uh, people can do when you're stuck at home because... You know, we got listeners all over the world really right now. And, uh, you know, everybody's got a different stay at home order, right? Some of your governors mm-hmm. are cool. Some of your governors care more about other things than their, you know, governor's health. You know, I don't know. We don't need to get into that. <laughs> oh, gosh. Don't don't get me started. Anyway, so this is the quarantine edition of Weekly Recommendations. I'm going to go first, Chrissy, because I'm selfish. Please do. All right. No, 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 no. This is okay. So the the thing I miss the most is gyms, Chrissy. Like you know, mm, gyms. Go yes. get my morning workout. I was going every morning. Hour. That, that was hour kind and of half. like your day starter. Oh, it was, and it just disappeared. And, and it disappeared. Obviously, all the gyms closed. Even yeah. though I was reading a statistic that what 86 percent of people with gym memberships don't even know the gym is closed. Anyway. Oh, uh, because nobody uses it. <laughs> anyway, I was, I was <laughs> joke. So, so go on a, go on a walk. You know, I'm, my knees are, I'm too old to really go run and I try to run a little bit, but go on a walk. If, if anything, go on a nice 40, 45 minute walk three times a, a week. It'll help clear your mind. I mean, being stuck at home can, can start to play with your mind, put a good podcast on and just, you know, uh, look at nature around you, man. And just, just live in that moment. I love it. And I agree. But my recommendation is actually a podcast. I have been completely addicted to this. Oh, just over this past week, I've almost binged the whole thing. Um, if you are familiar with Aaron Mankey, he does like lore and cabinet of curiosities. And he partnered with iHeartRadio and came out with something called Noble Blood. And he's not the host. It's someone else who is an amazing writer and, and host. And uh, they just tell like a really detailed story of something historically significant with uh nobles in the past it's a whole history thing i no, love that's, it that's awesome yeah i so, just oh i love so it so download much. some of these and then go for a walk right yeah yeah download noble blood go for a walk you'll have a great quarantine <laughs> before we leave i want to remind you that our entire back catalog of podcast episodes are at iamsaltlake.com 
Head over there, check them out, and be sure to share your favorite episodes with your family and friends. Speaking of sharing your favorite episodes, I love it when those of you that are sharing your uh, the episodes on Instagram, when you tag us, I love to see you guys sharing. Me too. It's so cool. And on that note, you guys have a great week. Get out, enjoy the city if possible. Like I said, go for a walk, support local, and we're going to see you next week on the next episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. And good night, Grammy. Grammy.